Broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne, this is Will's Front. Brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wills. Hello everyone and welcome to this Thursday edition of Wilms Front. It is the 7th of April 2022. We are live on the Wilms Front YouTube, DLive and Odyssey channels as well as on the interactive entropy software where you can ask uh, myself and guest tonight uh, questions and also send through chats. It is 8.30pm here in Melbourne, Victoria, where once again this city and the whole state are under the most COVID restrictions in the whole of Australia apart from Western Australia. Uh, this week, even Crazy Eyes Michael Gunner in the Northern Territory lifted his uh, vaccine passport system. The NT now joins South Australia, Tasmania, New South Wales and the ACT in having no vaccine passport system and the most minimal of mask mandates. Uh, this day next week, Queensland will end its vaccine passport system. But here in Victoria, despite only 12 people the whole state in ICU with COVID and only two on ventilators. The science TM and health advice TM uh, from Chief Health Officer <coughs> Hutton and his team uh, has uh, sees Health Minister Martin Foley continue Victoria's vaccine passport system, vaccine mandates for all essential workers and plus special mask mandate for uh, primary school children in grades three to six and retail hospitality workers. Uh, Premier Dan Andrews, who easily recovered from his own bout of COVID, says we've got to wait until <coughs> the Omicron BA2 wave uh, begins to dip before we can relax further restrictions. So I guess it's just maybe two weeks to reflatten this latest curve. Uh, Dan Andrews has also extended uh, Victoria's uh, pandemic uh, declaration for uh, another three months until uh, July the 12th, which uh, means that uh, Health Minister Martin Foley uh, can make new coronavirus uh, rules on a whim. Meanwhile, many nations in Europe have completely dismantled their COVID regulations, even getting rid of the legal requirement for positive cases to isolate for a number of days and have no mask mandates anywhere. Given we have the federal election in May, which will be called by Scott Morrison any day now, and uh, the Victorian state election on November 26 uh, this year, what impact uh, uh, this will have on the future of freedom for Victorians and Melburnians remains to be seen. I will discuss this uh, with my uh, guest tonight, uh, Anthony uh, Lev, who is a member of the Melbourne Freedom Rally movement, uh, which has uh, organised uh, the worldwide rally uh, for freedom uh, Melbourne contingent uh, over the past uh, uh, year. And there is also the, uh, the there's been seven that have happened so far, and there's going to be another one, uh, Worldwide Freedom Rally 8 on May the 21st. Uh, Anthony, welcome to Wilmsfront. Thank you, for, uh, thank you very much for having me. 
Uh, now, I thought I'd start uh, our chat by uh, getting you to tell me and uh, uh, the audience a bit about yourself. Uh, what was your life like uh, pre-COVID and why now have you dedicated uh, much of your, your time to, to freedom activism? That's a good question. So um, basically, um, I mean, I've considered myself a libertarian for probably over 10 years. Um, and before that, more conservative, you know, growing up in like a liberal voting household. But, you know, I guess I started detaching away from those particular values to a more libertarian view. Um, and yeah, so I, um, throughout my 20s, I started my own business, which was um, booking bands and musicians for events, you know, weddings, corporate functions, uh, all of that, which was I did that after, you know, studying music at the Victorian College of the Arts, full of lefty, lefties, of course. So um <laughs> It's not unusual for me to be in a situation where I'm in a you know surrounded by people who you know are vocal about disagreeing with the things I believe in and um you know so I, I've been I've stood up for my views for a long time and you know throughout my twenties I was building the business and it was doing pretty well I was able to you know um you know live off the money so that's always a, a good sign and then um I enjoyed things like traveling overseas and um yeah it was basically running my own life how I wanted to um, and just enjoying myself. And then obviously, you know, when these lockdowns started, um, I, yeah, I just immediately disagreed with it. Um, I was, you know, hanging out with some friends just before they locked down Melbourne, Italy was in lockdown. And, um, you know, I said to them, if they lock us down, it's going to do a lot more harm than the virus itself. And um, yeah, I still stand by that today. Um, And, that's the, I guess we're pretty much here. So throughout the, the lockdowns, um, I never dreamed they would have, you know, dragged on for two years like this. I thought after that initial six-week, you know, sort of lockdown, um, you know, ScoMo imposed over Australia, I'm like, oh, man, they're going to have to figure out a way to backtrack and say they overreacted. Uh, they didn't do that. Daniel Andrews doubled down um, after the hotel quarantine situation and then went to this massive lockdown. And I think that's when everybody... Um, was energized, but also, you know, worried and like, um, cause we knew the damage that would be done from, uh, such a, you know, continued, uh, lockdown. And that's when a lot of the, um, you know, you know, people got connected, the freedom movement or the anti-lockdown protests at those at that time occurred. Um, a lot of the different groups and people popped up and, um, you know, people found their place and, um, I guess a community was able to develop in those early days. And now, you know, two years or a year and a half after those first protests um it's it's built into this massive movement not just in australia uh, but worldwide pretty much and uh, over november we put on you know the largest you know political rallies in the history of the country uh, you know, demonstrating that the social proof was on our side uh, which is fantastic to see after going to you know lockdown protests with you know 20 people and getting chased by horses um and yeah i guess, I guess now now we're here doing what we do Yes, I attended the, uh, it was the November 21, it was Worldwide Rally for Freedom mm. 5, uh, but it was also, it was, it was yeah, 5, but it, but it was also during the, the, the Kill the Bill uh, Occupy mm. uh, Spring Street movement, and obviously we'd been through uh, six lockdowns and come out of that, and then apparently we're going to have this new permanent uh pandemic uh mm. management 
framework in the in the public health act and at that november t- uh, 21 there were estimates of about half a million i know that i mm. Stood uh, uh, stood just at the the end of the the Burke Street Mall. I think it moves on to maybe Queen or, or King Street. I'm probably I probably got it wrong, but that's that. Uh, you would know the yeah, Elizabeth Street, the, the one. Yeah, Elizabeth Street. Yes, when, when turn turn from Burke Street to Elizabeth Street. I've every time I've covered a rally, I've made sure to film the the whole procession from mm. the the front, and yeah, it's goes on that was it, was it was a big one like i remember i was on the stage as the park was filling up and the park pretty much got to the brim and then i heard people were telling me that there was still people in burke street mall or even like parliament so not everyone even made it to the park it was this massive but um yeah i think i think there are multiple factors leading up to that day as well because we had obviously yeah, the kill the bill occupy spring street is you know the pandemic bill people were opposed it um, but for the first time in a long time, starting at the end of October, when we got, got out of lockdown, the police backed off immediately and allowed these, you know, protests to happen. I mean, using the word allowed is funny in its own sense because it's not really, shouldn't really be up to them <laughs> uh, or the government. But um, yes, I, th- I think a lot of the people who were disagreeing with lockdowns saw the amount of people coming out. They weren't getting smashed by the police. And a lot of people thought got to get down to at least one or two of these just to you know feel like they're a part you know be a part of it and um yeah, it, it went went massive so yeah pandemic bills are factored but just i think a lot of people just want to at least demonstrate that um you know there's a lot of people that were like-minded and maybe those people didn't realize how many people there were on their side because every protest we had some big numbers um but we were never able to get huge numbers because of the fear of how the police are going to react and the, the risks involved. Um, but uh, yeah, crazy time in the, in the history books of, um, of Melbourne and we completely overlooked by the media pretty much, but that's how it is. At that November 20, uh, that it was just a, a day after that uh, all uh, gathering limits had been abolished. So there was literally nothing the Victoria Police uh, could do to say that you were violating uh, show directions. But as we sure. saw throughout the, the six lockdowns, and it seemed to be a top-down thing, Dan Andrews' mm. language from immediately from uh, late March was, you know, obey the rules, uh, stay mm. at home means stay at home. We've got these huge fines and Victoria Police are going to be out in force making sure that you're going uh, only going uh, what is essential to go at and... That's that set the tone right from the mm. beginning. It wasn't a public health response; it was a police state response. And uh, Victoria Police—they got—they they were pretty much uh, brutal and aggressive with everybody mm. in that second lockdown. Like they, there were swarms of Victoria Police officers at at parks uh, checking uh, mm. that uh, people they 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 were exercising. They weren't they weren't allowed to stop to. You just say breath or something because apparently Can't they were yeah and i did notice that in 2021 uh they the victoria police they tended just to leave the 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 the, the people you know walking around at the park alone and tended to, and just focused on uh the the anti-lockdown uh protesters and then that's mm. where we saw the the 
even more brutality in that regard with the, the mm. rubber bullets and of course the uh, the, the, the knocking down and uh, pepper spraying on the ground of that defenseless grandmother. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And um, a lot of it, a lot of it stemmed from the ridiculous, uh, you know, initially it was the, the COVID zero strategy where they had this thing where like, oh, we must have this zero cases at all costs. Um, because if it, if it was really a public health you know, initiative uh, to, you know, they say reduce the spread and then eventually became eliminate the spread. Um, we know that the, you know, outdoor transmission is very rare. If not uh, Yeah, it's, it's pretty not. much bogus. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the outdoor masks were the most ridiculous yeah. and yeah. They, 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 they tried to claim that there was playground transmission when they closed the, the playgrounds. But when they said, when they, if we're forced to admit they didn't have any evidence, they said, oh, we don't need to prove it to like close the playgrounds. It was that type of arrogance. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, even if you just took away the, say, the civil liberty approach, just ignore that for a second um, and just look at it from a hypothetically a proportionate health response, assuming um, that, you know, some measures will be, you know, be successful, but in reducing the spread, um, but obviously not ignoring the consequences of such decisions and restrictions. And that's where it all starts falling apart, in my opinion, even from a public health perspective, because, um, you know, outdoor transmission is virtually rare. And the fact they were limiting so much outdoor activity, you know, or stay at home, you're allowed an hour exercise, close the playgrounds, um, wear your masks outside. What they should have been doing is said, hey, no, look, from, from day one, we know transmission occurs in like you know, family households, um, you know, in close contact for X amount of time. The safest place to be or the most uh, risk-free or minimal risk thing you can do is be outdoors, exercising, mingling outdoors. Um, and at the very least, that would have allowed people to see each other would have allowed people to, you know, to you know, get more vitamin D, uh, exercise, you know, on their own accord a bit more. Um, but, you know, with the, a lot of these rules and the five kilometer rules, um, you know, people couldn't see their friends. They couldn't see their families um, unless they disobeyed like many of us did, but um, just take the rules for what they were just made no sense in a, uh, in a balanced or proportion, uh, proportionate way. And um and they just went within the, the police just, you know, they, they went to town and um, were very heavy handed in their enforcement. Um, and yeah, it was just yeah, looking back on it. It's just, it's, it's hard to believe it happened, but here we are. Yeah. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of uh, Melburnians and Victorians have tried to block a lot of it from their memory, but it's, we need, we need to, to say like, never forget never again because mm. like it's there was such an horrific uh precedent uh set but going back to your uh your 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 point about well it's it's it's, a, it's an almost universally accepted point now that outdoor transmission is extremely rare uh, uh professor greg Dore of the kirby institute he's one of the mm. good uh, experts said it's hard to comprehend why we ever had any re any restrictions on outdoor mm. uh, activity uh during exactly. the, the pandemic and uh, uh brad hazard the, the new south wales health health minister 
uh, basically uh, admitted, I think towards the tail end of the the extended Sydney lockdown, that uh, people at Bondi Beach, it was probably the safest place for them to be. But that was one of the big outrages back in March 2020, that people are at Bondi Beach. And it was, and this is the thing, it's like, it's it was they they wanted to close the beaches to send a message that uh, you know people take this seriously and there was also this uh puritan streak that uh if people are seen like trying to just live a bit uh then that can't be allowed because the the, the fighting the the virus must uh supersede everything else exactly and it becomes like a um it's almost like a, I guess you could call it a virtue signal where it's like, look, this is what I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing so much to, you know, help everybody out and save lives. And you're sitting there enjoying yourself. And, um, and that's, and that again, stems back to the problem of this, um, you know, I guess zero COVID strategy or, um, as you said, so you had the, um, you know, they said it was like a, um, what were, what were the words you used again? Where, um, setting the tone or something or so people take it more seriously that will you know put these restrictions on um it's the, it's the government treating people like children and not yes. like adults um or respecting the liberty of an individual because if this from the start instead of going down the approach of lockdowns and um uh, your mandates they should have just given people accurate information which i still don't believe they've really talked about uh you know the way they record deaths or cases or hospitalizations accurately is in blips where they, you know, mention it, but it um, never really comes out. And if they just had some guidelines of said, you know, these are the things you can do to minimize risk or minimize the spread and people can voluntarily, you know, implement, uh, you know, these, these measures in their businesses or just in their personal lives, if they choose to, um, that would be a, a way, you know, to at least respect the liberty of an individual um, and allow people to yeah, take control of their own lives and own risk um, management because fundamentally you can never eliminate risk in anything. You can only minimize risk um, or do things yet yeah, to, to minimize risk. Uh, you can't eliminate it whatsoever. And these politicians went down this hard, you know, hard line approach in the attempt to eliminate risk, which is at all costs, uh, which is, makes absolutely no sense. Only on this one uh novel virus uh, they, they completely excluded uh every other uh, c- uh consideration uh, si- uh, uh health side effects that yeah. the, the lockdowns have caused and now the yeah. the 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 evidence is is coming out just especially on children just how much uh the the lockdowns have have stunted yeah their uh, development, particularly uh, young children. I mentioned in my introduction, I can't believe that it's still mandated in Victoria that older primary school kids have to be muzzled. Like the, the, yeah, it's, it's cruel. And they're the, the people who are at uh, least, least risk from the, the virus. A, a school has no greater mm. risk of transmission than an office or a shop. Exactly. I, it, it, it's, it seems to be, it's, there's two parts to it. It's, 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 it's basically trying to sort of 
it's it seems to be that uh, uh, children are like putting responsibility on children to, for the health of everybody else, but also trying to sh uh, shape them from an early age that wearing a mask all the time is is mm. normal. Because there's there's people who are uh, advocating for well, there there's still a, a lockdown lobby, uh, lockdown lovers, and also uh, mm. people who want masks forever and they're, they're they're known as mask perverts because they they just seem to love uh not uh not breathing properly anymore like they, they they used to and it's been proven that uh cloth and surgical masks <laughs> hardly keep out any droplet particles and n95s are only only effective if they're properly fitted and uh, that, uh, well, it also means that all men would have to shave their, their beards and moustaches <laughs> as, as, as well. Exactly. But again, it's about the, the mask is a symbol of both obedience and, and virtue signaling. And that was the point of outdoor masks as well. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> and I've, on my lev report from Morgan Morgan's um MCJ report, I've pointed out a couple of times is a, the Brownstone Institute has a nice article where they've collected over 150 studies that show that um mandatory masks or the you know the surgical and, and cloth masks don't do anything to uh, you know stop the spread. And it's it's um prevalent in all of the data you can see worldwide. You can look at um all of the cases explode you know after or you know well after they've had these mask mandates in place and um then you get you know they they try and justify it after the fact i remember um i think it was brett sutton's burnett institutes did a study and they tried to claim that oh the mask the mandatory masks re reduce the spread by 30 percent which um i think they were just just trying to pump anything out to justify it in in hindsight when they had no evidence at the time but um it's amusing uh, the, the, the burnett institute that's uh Brett Sutton's not associated with it, but it was used by the Victorian government to provide. Mm. I think he used uh, to modeling. be associated with it, actually. Yeah, modelling uh, mm. to uh, uh, to uh, underpin Victoria's reopening plan, and mm. the the modelling was uh, so wrong uh, with Delta, uh, <laughs> and uh, even with the the huge Omicron cases, it still didn't come close to their model of uh, hospitalizations and in ICU. But uh, the head of the Burnett Institute, which is based at Monash University, Brendan uh, Crab, he's a, a, a COVID zero uh, uh, believer, still believing that uh, it can maybe can't be eliminated right now, but can in the the, the future. Uh, he's part of this uh, Australian uh, COVID zero lobby group called called Ozsage. It has that uh, Canadian oh, yeah, no, uh, professor in it, Nancy Baxter, who's always spreading her uh, alarm in the the media and on twitter i got blocked from her on twitter for <laughs> liking a a tweet uh that called out her hypocrisy because she says that uh, you know uh, uh, wearing masks is not uh is not a restriction it's you know we all need to to do it and don't engage in non-essential activities when she actually posted on her profile a photo of herself maskless at the uh journalism quill awards in melbourne uh, embracing Samantha Maiden, uh, the the journalist. So she's violating yeah, yeah, social yeah. distancing. Hasn't got a mask on. You know, 
I'm not sure if she had one of those, what is that, CO2 monitors to make sure that the, the <laughs> ventilation was, but yeah. Oh. I was surprised that she posted that given how she's so into masks and like, well, what's she doing at a, a journalism? They don't think, these, these, yeah, these people don't think sometimes. It's like with all the, um, the G7 meetings where all those um, politicians – uh, you know, you see them with the photos of having lunch, shaking hands, you know, mingling completely mask-free. Then there's a photo up where they're all standing, you know, a couple of meters apart with their masks on. And um, both of them just get released because they're both being filmed and uh, photographed. And they just, I don't know, like, I wonder what goes through their mind. Like, they would, they would know that people are laughing at them. They don't care, I guess. But um, they still think they can just get away with it and they get completely mocked. But um. It's it's a bizarre thing. It's really bizarre to observe, and I love observing this stuff. So, uh, people in the the chat they they're curious about uh, the the origin of your your last name, uh, Lev. Yes. So my my last name's uh, actually Levchenko. That's the full last name, which is Ukrainian. Um, I just had it shortened, like just you know, back on the private Facebook page because most of my friends just called me like Lev or something. So I just stuck with it. Um, and then you can't really change it once everyone calls you Lev. So um, it's a Ukrainian um, last name, Levchenko. Uh, so your uh, peoples are at the, 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 the center of the, the, this latest uh, global crisis. They are. Yes. Yes. Um, which is yeah, very interesting. Um not sure what to say. I mean, I think both, like both sides, Russia's not, you know, Putin's not very good. The, you know, the um, president of Ukraine's not a very good guy. And, and once again, you just got a situation like all, I guess, wars and conflicts where, um, you know, these world leaders and these people in power, you know, basically playing chess with people's lives. You know, the average person just wants to live free, um, you know, work, provide for their families, you know, enjoy life, but not here forever. Um and these politicians keep, you know, they've got their games and they've got their, you know, issues they just try and sort out at the expense of the population. Many people have pointed out that uh, Vladimir Putin, by uh, invading Ukraine, he's uh, ended the, the pandemic because that's what's <laughs> dominating the, the front pages of the online newspapers mm -hmm. and uh, the... Uh, cable news uh, discussions, and uh, we've apparently all got to like pay more for petrol and and other things now. We've got to sacrifice more for uh, the 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 uh, the to show solidarity with Ukraine, even though we've spent the, the last two years uh, sacrificing for well, it's not flattening the the curve because the the curve is is higher as it, it has been uh, but mm. uh, we're, to we're told now the strategy was that well this is dan andrews now that you only lock down when you don't have vaccines because uh, uh most of uh victoria is now vaccinated uh, we don't need to worry about uh cases anymore yeah, but they still do, in a way, claim to worry about cases. Because, like, I mean, wasn't one, like, I one of the reasons, yeah, Dan Andrews, he says, um, just recently, he didn't want to remove the vaccine passport like Queensland and um, Northern Territory did. Because he's like, oh, yeah, the cases are pretty high. So they still use case numbers to justify their uh, ridiculous um, rules. And, um, 
yeah, it's 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 madness. But going back to the point of um, you know, Putin ending in the um pandemic, um, yeah, very. It's it's again, it's it's fascinating to observe uh, behavior and how easily you know say maybe world leaders, government and media combined can, you know, lead people around, uh, you know, on a leash basically, because, you know, you know, Russia's not good. I'm not, I don't, I don't really agree with Putin on a lot of things and have done a lot of dodgy stuff, but suddenly this is the biggest thing of all time, Russia invading, you know, um, Ukraine and dropping bombs on Ukraine. Yet, you know, the United States and um, allies have been, uh, you know, engaged in um, regime change and dropping bombs all over the Middle East for decades. Um, and, you know, innocent people get caught up in it, but they didn't have the same reaction as, you know, this Russia-Ukraine thing. And, um, yeah, again, my view is like, I don't know absolutely everything. I'm this one person, but it's just people just want to live their lives in peace. And these it's these world leaders and politicians that um, keep getting at it with each other at the expense of the average person, whether it's war then, or whether it's lockdowns or. And the nerve of our politicians to claim that we stand with a uh, uh, Ukraine in solidarity with democracy and freedom, given what they've done to, to mm. us uh, for the past uh, two years, and this is another thing: the West has completely lost the the, the moral high ground. I've noticed that uh, a few of the, the the freedom commentators of activists have said, "Look at uh, this uh, uh, police brutality uh, by uh, Russia and Ukraine." Sorry, that's Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good it's a good meme, I guess. Um, you know, to, to make and I guess you know memes are a way that our generation communicates. It's um, and they get right to the point. Um, I love that. I love that stuff. It's, um, yeah. Uh, we saw uh, Victoria Police. Uh, they've got a, a new strategy uh, now, which uh, Shane Patton, the, the Chief Commissioner, uh, has, has announced. Uh, I'll just play the, the nine news. Should I, should I call it peace or more just, uh, what is it, uh, PR? Uh, yeah, PR disguised as uh, a, new, a news report. Vic Pol propaganda through the mainstream news, I guess, yeah. Victoria Police is vowing to get back to basics in a bid to rebuild damaged community trust after the pandemic. As Heidi Murphy explains, our top cop says it should mean a much more visible presence on suburban streets. Police are promising more of this and this in a brand rebuilding exercise. We're approachable, we're involved, we're working with them and we're here to help. They call it a neighbourhood policing model. More often than not, communities know the problems, we know that, but they also know the solutions and so it's us listening with them. Our role is not just to make sure people are safe, uh, but that people feel safe and that's what this model is all about. The approach to now be used across the state after a trial in eight areas, including Clayton. We've had staff um, report serious assaults um, and theft, wallets, purses, you know, mobile phones and, and their possessions stolen from them when they've been walking. Those thefts down from 20 a week to just one a month. Our staff feel safer specifically walking to and from the station with you know, knowing that there's been extra resources. The policing model's also being credited with ending illegal beach parties at Black Rock and slowing dirt bike hooning in Hume. Visible and proactive and accessible policing. Police Command is calling this a significant shift designed to reconnect with the community and address local concerns at a local level. They're also hoping to repair a brand damaged by two years of unpopular COVID policing.
We know we've um, had to perform duties and engage with people and it might not have been what they would have expected in the first instance because of the COVID environment we're in. Heidi Murphy, Nine News. <laughs> I remember uh, Shane Patton uh, during the uh, September week of, of rage, he uh, reverted to the just following orders uh, defence, though there's certainly a, as he also said, there's uh, on the previous occasion, there's discretion about how you follow and enforce orders. Correct. Um, I mean, at first, I liked how they first said, um, you know, the, the police attending to like people being assaulted and like theft. And I'm like, I'm, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, the only people who've assaulted me and stolen from me the last, well, my life with the police over the last couple of years. But um, um, yeah, I guess it's back to the question of discretion. Um, I think that's a, it's a very good question. Um, you know, they could have, in, in my view, even with, say, people disobeying five-kilometer rules um, or, or gathering rules, the police could have just said, "Look, the, you know, we serve. You know, they they made, make they make a choice. Do so they serve just these arbitrary rules from the government, or are they there to, I mean, uphold the right, which is what their motto is, of the Victorian people that pay their salary?" And they chose not to use discretion. They could have said, "Look, these people, if they make it." to the protest, they're going to vent their frustrations, walk around the street with some signs and yelling some stuff. Um, and we'll, we'll stand back and just, you know, allow it to happen basically and facilitate it like they should have done, um, which would have been appropriate policing in a democratic society uh, or supposedly liberal Western society as well. Um, but they chose to, you know, kettle people in on multiple occasions, get close with people by tackling people and, you know, um, uh, you know, surrounding individuals. Um, and the actions they did, if there was this supposedly deadly virus on the loose, they're trying to prevent the transmission of like their actions demonstrated the opposite, um, because they needlessly engaged with individuals, um, and increased the risk of, a transmission for, for lack of a better word, I guess. And um, yeah, it's just, they, yeah, they really could have just chosen a different method and um, allowed the protests to happen. Uh, and the risk was low, but, you know, they would prefer to beat people up than just have, a, you know, a, a virus transmit that the absolutely overwhelming majority of people survive. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think that's the real meaning of On the Beat, which was the, the, head, the headline of that Nine News report. Uh, but like you, I'm uh, a libertarian, and there's an old libertarian saying that when I hear the, the police sirens, I tend to feel anxious. I don't feel yeah. uh, secure uh, yeah. because the, the, the police uh, – well, have a tendency to be overzealous more uh, than than reasonable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, we got to remember because like police as well, they're human beings, and humans are not perfect. Um, and when humans are granted, you know, power, when when one group has the power over another group of people, um, we've seen what happens with things like the Stanford experiments, um you know, th things can go wrong. And I think it's an important, that was an important like um, psychological, you know, experiment uh, that, that happened. And you can see in policing as well, um, especially growing, growing up in the nanny state of, you know, Victoria and you know, Australia. Um, 
you know, the police fundamentally should be there to protect rights or you know, solve crimes or um, I say solve crimes because if you do need them, like say someone robs you, is in, intruders in your house, the cops aren't going to get there on time. You're not going to have time to call them. And um, so they're usually there after the fact, but after the fact, they'll try and facilitate, um, uh, you know, catching the criminal at least and getting some kind of justice. But for a long time, the government has just used the police as, you know, the police's revenue raises to target um, civilians. Oh, you're not wearing a helmet while wearing your bike. Uh, you're not allowed to make that choice. Um, we'll give you a fine. Or, you know, you've gone you're too many kilometers over the speed limit, even though you weren't actually driving dangerously in a low-risk setting. Um, we'll just, you know, give you a fine, um, even though the... It's, it's, so, yeah, I think this is this, the... the the policing of the nanny state as well over the last several decades is just, um, it's not a, it's, it's not an ideal uh, police setting in a civil society. Um, and they shouldn't treat people as potential criminals, which is what I think a lot of people feel when they see the police. Yes. Um, uh, one thing I was pleased that they actually did post-lockdown was plenty of uh, 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 breathalyzer checkpoints because yeah, yeah. as, as uh, we, uh, we saw uh, post-lockdown, there was lots of uh, road accidents and uh, drink drivers and we mm. saw one Victorian politician's career ended by a unbelievable uh drink driving crash yeah. uh so like that there are certainly uh like ro- like uh, ro- uh, proper roles for them as well as uh, mm. solving those uh, most uh, heinous of crimes uh, murder uh rape uh, ag- aggravated assault uh, uh pedophilia like we want the the police to to do those real solve those really dangerous yes. crimes but with this nanny state stuff it's sort of it seems that there's there tends to be a focus on it because it's easy and it's mm. it's easy for police to just roam the streets in 10 during lockdown to check people's masks whether they're in their five kilometer radius yeah yeah and i think a lot of it also stems from um See, the lockdowns themselves were enacted to supposedly, you know, ease the, you know, the burden off the healthcare system or prepare the healthcare system. So a lot of laws, even before uh, the COVID stuff, the existence of this public health system, or I call it the public um, uh, health rationing system, um, a lot of laws are there and, and the nanny state laws uh, exist because of this uh, so-called public health system the government believes that they can restrict your personal behavior to protect uh, the health system. And and they, they've used this excuse to intrude on individual liberties. We bike helmets, for example, it's like, Oh, because if you, if you crash your bike, you'll you know, knock your head and you've got to go to hospital um, taking up a bed um, for somebody else. But it's interesting how this logic only applies, uh, you know, to, I guess, certain things, because you can be a, 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 an athlete or, you know, highly active playing sport and, you know, you can, you can put your knee out, you know, you can mess your knee up and you've got to use a hospital, but we don't ban sports and all that kind of stuff. So the, the, the public health system shouldn't be used uh, as a reason to restrict liberties. Uh, we need better ways of, um, you know, I guess, I mean, there are better ways of delivering healthcare as well, but people's liberties must be protected. And obviously, um, if people engage in risky behaviour, um, perhaps they, they could obviously 
you know, maybe have a more of a private system where they can pay out of their own pockets and the government can't use the, the example of the public health system. Or if it's a public health system, then technically it should be open for everybody, regardless of your, you know, personal decision-making, because that's what it exists for. But um, that's a whole big discussion, <laughs> public and yeah. private health and the role of government in, in health. <laughs> It's all through the, the public health orders that they can take over private hospitals and restrict uh, well, elective surgery procedures that take place in yeah. private hospitals, which is just outrageous that yes. it's actually illegal to, say, perform a like a operation that may not be urgent but will ease the pain uh, for, for somebody. That's what we mm. saw with that uh, Code Brown uh, back in, in in January, which of course uh, was uh, based on modelling that was yeah. inaccurate. But the the public health system is there to to serve us. We're not there to be subservient uh, to it. It's I, I know that the freedom uh, the the freedom protests have often stopped off at the Victoria Police headquarters to, yeah. to, to you serve us. But it's the same with the public health. Uh, system mm. and uh, the the mainstream media they were I they were able to find lots uh, lots of uh, like nurses and health professionals to basically say we need these restrictions to, uh, because uh, it makes our job easier we're over overworked that was yeah. the 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 or you'd sort of say guilt guilt trip or justification these poor overworked uh, health workers but we're two years on now and so it's no longer a, an excuse that uh, a, our our health system uh, can't cope especially with I listed the statistic 12 in ICU with COVID two on on ventilators mm. that's a minuscule amount um, of our of, of our health resources and yes we've we've seen with the the triple zero uh deadly crisis 12 dying in just the the six the last six months waiting for, for amb ambulances mm. it, it, governments they're also there to to serve us uh to make sure that because you know we're for, we're forced to to pay for public health police through our, our yep. taxes they're ele elected to and over the past two years, the default as well, uh, apparently restricting civil liberties that'll make things easier. Yeah, exactly. And um, it stems back, I guess, the way I see it as well. It's um, like the Milton Friedman quote where he goes, um, if you put the government in charge of the Sahara Desert in five years, there'll be a shortage of sand. And um, cause even before COVID, I, I call it the health rationing system because there's, they've always had waiting lists. Every budget, they're like, yeah, we're going to pump more money into the health system that they every single politician pretty much runs or, or the major parties run their platforms on you know especially labor funding the healthcare system and so year on year they're putting more and more money into the health system and they still have waiting lists and all of the same problems exist and you know i like to use the example of um grocery stores like so okay grocery stores whether it's coles woolworths your local um your independent run grocer small business um you you can walk into the shops you can buy food um we very rarely have shortages usually if there is a shortage of some particular product it's because of a supply chain issue um but overall you know the average person can walk into the grocery store afford to feed themselves and have endless choice 
of um of options. But with healthcare, it's it's like we're stuck in this you know um draconian system that never evolves. Uh, that the government run where you're on waiting lists. Um, there's there's um you know you might not you can't get the treatment that you need despite having paid for it with your taxes already supposedly. Uh, the, the private health system obviously works a lot better, um, but still with private health insurance, it's heavily regulated by the government. A lot of people can't afford it um, because maybe some people, there would be cheaper options that could be available, but the government's like, no, we have to have X amount of inclusions in the basic plan and it bumps all of the costs up. So, um, you know, if you, I, I, I say like if, you know, that you put the government in charge of grocery stores where you could walk in and it was free of charge, you know, take off um, whatever you want from the shelf, kind of similar to a hospital where you, you know, you won't pay because it's public health. Um, there'll be a shortage of groceries and, people will be lining up and you won't oh, be able to get fed. <laughs> that, that's what happened in the, the Soviet Union, which Ukraine yes. was part of, currently happening in, in Venezuela, because when the, the government interferes uh, with the, oh, the the price rationing system, then yep. it leads to, to shortages. And what is it? Venezuela was the one of the first uh, well, countries like way back 10 years ago to have a mm. toilet paper shortage. Yep. Exactly all that all that um money printing and in inflation, and then the, the government they tried to solve the price increases their own inflation caused by putting price caps on everything, and then they, I mean they, they, politicians made a mess, absolute mess of that country. It used to be I think the wealthiest um you know South American nation, but um the basket case now. And now we're we're two years into what initially was the the two weeks to to flatten the curve. Um, mm. I mean, as Victorians, we're in a freer uh, position uh, than uh, we were. Uh, but as as we've both said, uh, there's still a lot of uh, unnecessary restrictions. When mm. like in England, it's completely normal there. There's no yeah. Uh, vax passports, masks, don't even have to self-isolate if you test positive. Mm -hmm. And in Scotland, where they've still got masks, vax passes, isolation requirements, they're actually doing worse uh, than England. <laughs> so, so what makes Victoria so special uh, that uh, that uh, we have a different uh, science TM or health advice TM than the other states and territories? I mean, we have Brett Sutton here, he's... Uh, loves uh masks and and ventilation and uh quarantine mm. uh we know that uh the state of queensland seems to have done a complete 180 with their uh new uh chief health officer uh john uh gerard who took over from jeanette young mm. who became the the governor and he's been talking a lot of sense uh the uh, the 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 small time that he's been in charge, he took over around Christmas time. Mm. Uh, his comments uh, when the uh, the vaccine passport uh, system that it was going to be ended by next week. Uh, these were his mm. comments. Lifted, uh, it will be the vaccination that will be protecting us all from this this disease. The virus is not going to go away. The virus is not going to go away you will be exposed to this virus sometime during the course of this year and it is the vaccine that will protect you and for adults that means three doses of vaccine not two doses and if you're in certain groups over the age of 65 
or uh, first, a First Nations person over the age of 50 or, or immunosuppressed a fourth dose to protect you in the, in the, coming, um, in the coming months. So thank, thank you very much. I'll hand over to the Minister. Thank you. The, the level of vaccination is in Queensland is very high. The anti-vax group is taking up a disproportionate amount of oxygen. Um, and I think a lot of these uh, mandates have put a lot of stress and demand on, some, um, on a lot of the proprietors of some of, of these facilities. I know it's put a lot of stress on showgrounds, for example. And uh, I think to do that for the sake of a very small percentage of anti-vaxxers, ha the, the public health benefit is, too, is marginal. So he still says the, the standard uh, public health line on the, the, the vaccines. And he has previously said that to develop immunity, there's only two ways to, uh, to, to get immunity, either get the vaccine or become infected. There's only... Uh, two ways, but the, the 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 point that he was making about uh, the lifting of the the vaccine passport system that it's just caused uh, unnecessary conflict. Mm. And Anastasia Palaszczuk said herself, "We're bringing bringing everyone uh, back uh, together." So I know that. Uh, uh, Mel, uh, Mel McPhee, uh, one of uh, the, the regulars in the chat, she's a she's a Queenslander. Uh, okay. I think you, you can feel uh, secure going into to winter with John Jarrett at the the helm, though his his powers have still been uh, extended. But this is the this this is the point about these emergency powers continuing is that. Like, although, you know, you trust someone like Dr. John Jarrett in Queensland to act reasonably, I certainly uh, just, uh, don't, uh, don't uh, hold, uh, we still have a lot of anxiety here in Victoria about uh, what Brett Sutton uh, could uh, advise uh, coming into to winter. He's not called bedwetter Brett. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, um, I mean, I think Melbournians and Victorians will always be a bit on edge because we have copped it the hardest out of all all of Australia. Maybe WA is probably second to us now because with their closed borders and situation. Um, and who, like, will they bring back restrictions? I mean, they haven't got rid of them all fully yet. And this is the thing that is interesting because not only in Australia, you've had a separate response and different rule settings right now from state to state, but worldwide, um, you've had places like Texas and Florida were some of the first to you know, get back to normal um, outlaw vax passports and the sky didn't fall in. Uh, we've had Sweden that never did a, you know, a lockdown. Um, they just encouraged people to work from home and in, just in, you know, gave some advice like we encourage you know, table seating um, in restaurants, but they pretty much kept open. And um, obviously, you know, the UK right now, um, they did hard lockdowns. Um, but actually, even with the UK's hard lockdowns, they fared far worse than Sweden, according to the, you know, the standard COVID stats, um, even though neither of them really experienced any unusual overall mortality over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, UK right now, you can get into the country without the vaccine. Uh, you can leave the country without the vaccine. But Australia, you know, they still want you to be double dosed just to leave the country. Um, and then to obviously get in, they want you to have the double dose. And then state to state, the rules are different. So it's just it just comes down to the 
how control freakyish each I think Premiere is, and um, you can probably see. I mean, yeah, even the last two years, you can see how how that's how why we are in the situation we are now in Australia. Uh, we had uh, one of the the good uh, senators, uh, Jared Rennick, ask mm. the, the chief uh, medical officer. Uh, Paul Kelly uh, about the the science uh, behind stopping unvaccinated people leaving the country, and this was uh, his response. Yeah. The rest of the world, um, recognising as we've talked already in response to Senator. Well, well that's not really our responsibility. I mean, well, actually, the rest actually, of the world doesn't have the same requirements. Oh, so it's Senator actually Rennie, it is please. Senator because we we are signed up to a treaty a treaty called the International Health Regulations, and there is a specific component of the Biosecurity Act which addresses that matter about protection for others. So you're saying that other countries... Yeah, sorry. Are you saying other countries have regulations that stop their unvaccinated people from leaving the country as well? Uh, I'd have to take that on notice as to which other countries might have that, but I understand there are still restrictions in relation to vaccination, both inward and outward travel. Yeah, I know. That's the question I'm asking you is why is that that restriction and what's the health advice on that? So I've, I've shared what I can with you, Senator, recognising that's... So it's not health advice, it's because we signed minister. up to a treaty. Uh, no, the, there are certain elements within the Biosecurity Act about protection for other countries related to uh, diseases of concern such as COVID-19. OK, so can you put that on notice, like give me the actual sections of the Biosecurity Act? Uh, that's right. So are you seeing a sunset on that requirement? Uh, so th- there's no specific sunset, but uh, but the, the 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 plan with many of these things is to not stop everything at the same time, and so that that requirement for in, in incoming and outgoing vaccination uh, um, international travel to be vaccinated is remaining for the time being, uh, but not under the emergency powers. It's a clown show, and it, um, it just goes to show. So these um chief medical officers, or even you know at the state level, the chose the chodes i call them um it's like are they really independent um help from the government you know like they're supposed to be all offering are they offering health advice or are they heavily influenced by the politicians that gave them their job and i think you can see with paul kelly right there that um he 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 knows he's not the one making the decision there and he can't even defend it um and he's not he's in here he's not providing health advice he's taking orders from politicians that's what he's doing. Yeah, that's why he sort of uh, does the take it on notice. Uh, what is it? His uh, predecessor, Brendan Murphy, uh, had to take on notice what the definition of a woman was. Oh, that was fan- That was the funniest thing I've seen. Yeah, and that politician, I can't remember his name, but where um, Alexander. Like, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of uh, the good ones as well. So it was yeah. uh, Jared Rennick, Alex Antic, uh, Conchetta Verabanti Wells, Sam McMahon, and Matt Canavan were the five coalition senators who voted for. Pauline Hansen's uh, yeah. and vaccine mandates, passports uh, bill. Yeah, uh, so, a, few, a few good eggs um, in a sea of vipers. So uh, Paul Kelly, again, he's one of the, the least worst uh, of these health officials because he's actually said we need to move away from reporting daily COVID deaths and their deaths with COVID because mm-hmm. if someone... Uh, dies in a car accident or gets uh, murdered uh, with a gun and they their corpse tests positive for COVID, that's COVID death. He mm. is, the, the criteria he's pro, uh, proposing is excess 
deaths, which is it's it's sort of a hard hard uh, metric to explain yeah. on on this show, but it's basically the comparing the the deaths that occur when what are projected because obviously hu- human beings we all die yeah. i mean that's uh, they die of all sorts of uh, causes i and a lot just die from from old age that's yeah. you know we haven't mastered uh immortality yet that seems mm. to have been forgotten in this uh, this uh, pandemic and that would seem like a more uh, reliable metric but we certainly need to stop uh counting cases well let let alone as we've still got the the close contact system uh in case and in place and the Mm. the isolation uh requirements i mean before covid did they they test everyone who came into hospital for like what is there i don't know what the actual how they actually do a flu a flu test but you don't people have a a rat tested themselves for flu in the past you just know that you have it because you feel like uh absolute uh crap for like two weeks yeah and like these are um and these are some of the um good questions that um i mean i've i've tackled a bit on like my lev reports for morgan's show where um i'm not a big fan of the metric of um excess deaths i prefer to look at um overall mortality adjusted for the population size because then you can actually see clearly the figures um of how many people say per hundred thousand um or whatever metric you're using but adjusted for population you can see how many people actually dying and whether there's any um unusual amount of mortality occurring and for what i've seen when i'm you know when i've looked around from country to country even i say especially sweden um sweden didn't even have one of their you know 2020 which is the height of the alleged pandemic um their overall mortality um wasn't even like one of the highest of that the previous decade and on top of that the previous year was a very low death year so they had a lot of vulnerable people um uh you know you know basically ready i mean ready to go for lack of a better better phrase and then the metric of how they actually um you know attribute covid deaths where uh, you know, you just test positive or even have symptoms sometimes within a month or so of passing away of absolutely any cause, and then COVID's on your death certificate, and you get you know um, become part of the numbers. So this is why I like to look at overall mortality to get an idea of um, you know the level of death occurring, and it's yeah nothing crazy out of the ordinary. And of course, like if they're doing mass testing like that, they've they've never tested for a virus or disease on this scale before. So you're going to get a lot of people testing positive, whether they're asymptomatic or just, you know, got very mild symptoms and die of absolutely anything else. And then, um, you know, was it a death caused solely by COVID? Maybe COVID was a factor like, you know, previously you know a cold or pneumonia or the flu um has been a factor in many people's deaths especially the elderly um or it was completely unrelated and you just you had had a motorcycle accident um and then again the hospital admissions they go x amount of covid patients well it's just people who have tested positive they could be in hospital with a broken leg um, yeah they and we had ICU, had ICU from the admit that recently that they did oh, like uh, there's more children in hospital with COVID because if they come in with a broken leg, they're tested for COVID. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've been looking at the the, 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 the 
the truth. I, mean, I, I, was, I was watching this. I was monitoring this stuff from the start. I knew how they were recording it all. Um, I was aware of what was happening in Sweden before that. You know, big lockdown. Um, and you know, in Victoria and before everyone got together, like I was, you know, like everybody else, you're, you're home on your computer. Um, you know, debating people on Facebook, going nuts, and I was telling them everything I've been saying now. And back then, they wouldn't believe you. They'd be like, "Oh, it's, you know, nonsense." And um. And then, yeah, I still stand by everything I said back then. I was just looking at the, both the data and, you know, standing up for, you know, human rights and civil liberties because I don't, fundamentally, I don't believe the government should be able to coerce and exercise this level of power over an individual. But uh, the, the sad truth uh, is, is that, like, we're still a democracy and the the government, they were monitoring the polls all throughout the, mm. the various lockdowns. And the reason they could get away with it is because the, the majority of people were complicit in it. Mm. There's still so many COVID cultists and, and crazies, and it was probably summed up by this... Uh, appalling uh, tweet by by Merv Hughes, the, the former Australian cricketer. He was uh, replying to Dr. Kate uh, uh, Gregovic, who is a, a, a geriatrician who's uh, mm. treated elderly uh, COVID patients. Uh, so she is on the, the front line. Uh, she is pro-vaccine. Uh, she is even had her children vaccinated. So she's hardly an anti-vaxxer cooker, oh, which is the, the new... <laughs> expression uh, but this is what Merv Hughes said and uh, when she was talking about the mm. uh, ridiculous uh, police state response she was actually uh, replying to that nine news uh, report and Merv mm. Hughes said and if you weren't doing the wrong thing they wouldn't have to be there if you don't make the rules you should follow them whether you agree with them or not so if you don't make the the rules is he <laughs> saying that the people who make the rules don't have to abide by them. I mean, that was happening That's each way. Observation, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that it, it's an appalling tweet that, what, we're never meant to question or reflect on if that, if that police state response had any public health benefit, especially what we know now about outdoor transmission. And he felt, because mm. he was, thankfully, he was piled upon uh, by people who were like, what the hell are you on about? And he replied to another yeah. one of them, said, disagree, Merv, always should revolt against rules that do more harm than good. And he replied again, if you don't make the rules, follow them. It's not hard of a, a concept. Yeah. See, the guy's a cock. <laughs> it's, 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 um, it's just you're blindly following um, arbitrary rules. And, you know, okay, my view is that, you know, in a supposedly free society or Western liberal democracy, the, the government should be very small and their primary role is to uh, protect the rights of the individual um, because I find it very hard to justify infringing on an individual's rights. I mean, unless that individual has infringed upon the rights of somebody else, you know, theft, you know, assault, murder, um, trespass, all that, all the usual kind of things. Um, and I understand maybe most of Australians don't feel that way. So if that's the case, then um, have open discussions. The government should at least be public about their decisions if they're going to drastically uh, interfere or infringe on people's rights. All these national cabinet meetings behind closed doors, um, fighting to not have the, the health advice made public, um, 
So if the government can't even be open and transparent in justifying how they're supposedly right to stomp all over you, um, I mean, to, to blindly just follow and obey and not even question uh, these rules is is absurd. Like, Merv Hughes, you're absolutely absurd. If he's worried about uh, his health, obviously he could lose a few kilos. And uh, if he's uh, an adherent of masking, sorry, Merv, you need to shave the mo to shave have it a off. <laughs> fitting uh, N95 mask. Uh, but two years on, I think... Uh, the reason why uh, we're seeing the well, the, the politicians uh, back off uh, any talk of what is a, it, of uh, tighter restrictions, let alone lockdown, is because the Australian people are finally well, they're over it because we did have like uh, a really huge wave with obviously Omicron, which is the uh, uh, the 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 most mild uh, variant of of COVID nineteen, and so so many people uh, got it. Uh, and the, the the people that um, I knew that got it, both vaxxed and unvaxxed, uh, it was mild uh, for them. I uh, had an anti bullying asked me, did I get COVID? I think I did, but I didn't test positive on the rat. And we know that yeah. the rats are unreliable. So are the the PCR uh, tests. Uh, so. I mean, I'm glad the the, the penny has uh, has finally uh, dropped, and what is that? We've had we've got all the the, the politicians now uh, getting getting COVID. Dan uh, just had we'll, uh, we'll COVID. Uh, Brad Hazard, yeah, got uh, got COVID. The the New South Wales health minister, he was probably the the worst up there. And what is that? There's the meme going around now. Say the line. Okay. I got COVID. <laughs> Uh, but thankfully I'm triple jabbed or it would have been worse. Yay. Hilarious. Oh man. <laughs> I love it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I got it. I think it must've been like, yeah, I think towards the end of, end of November. Um, I didn't do tests or anything. It was probably Delta strain or something. It was before Omicron came around. Um, but I had other people who I knew that were around me got tested. They were positive. All the symptoms were the same. I'm unvaxxed. Um, and all these people now I know who are testing positive, getting symptoms and feeling unwell, who are vaxxed. Um, I mean, I've, I've said, I remember I was interviewed by Paul Dowsley back at a protest at Greg Hunt's office in February. I said, um, you know, I think the vaccine has more risks to me than COVID-19 or along those lines. It turns out I made the right decision. Um, I mean, but for me, fundamentally, the number one reason for not taking it is I'm not going to let the government tell me what to do. I mean, they're trying to pressure me to do it. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Um, even if it hypothetically was 100% safe, um, hypothetically, I still wouldn't do it. I'd be like, I'd be like, get stuffed. Um, and then number two is the risk benefit of of it all. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not pro or anti. It's just like, I'm not against its existence. It's just, I think people should be free to make the choice and they shouldn't be coerced. They shouldn't be mandates. If you want it, Okay, it's their habits. Um, but now they're three or four shots into it, five coming up. I think it's a pretty average product uh, to begin with. And um, a friend of mine got the Pfizer one, has got pericarditis now. Um, other people, I, I, I know people, friends of friends too, getting issues with a, with a lot of it. Um, and it's just like, yeah, if the government said, these are the risks of COVID, these are the risks of the vaccine, here's the benefits, 
so people could make up their mind um, with no coercion. That's fine. But um, they went down, you know, the, the tyrannical approach of just, you know, continuing to destroy people's livelihoods uh, because they made the wrong choice according to these, uh, you know, crackhead central planners. Oh. Well, I'm uh, double dosed with AstraZeneca. Mm. I made my own sort of judgment risk yeah. call. Up. Like I could get really crick, crook with COVID or I could get really crook yeah. with the, 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 the vaccine. And I, the reason I took uh, AstraZeneca is, is because it was the, the most demonized vaccine by the, 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 the like COVID uh, hysterics. They all wanted people to, yeah. to take uh, the Pfizer mRNA. And so like, I'm like, well, <laughs> if they're, if they're like uh, demonizing this vaccine and promoting the, uh, the 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 Pfizer, then I should probably do the opposite of what uh, they suggest when it comes to the the, va- the vaccine. <laughs> and it, and it, it's now being revealed that uh, the Pfizer vaccine has had the the most amount of side effects with the the myo uh, peri- pericarditis. Um, myocarditis. Yeah, uh, I know people who've had that uh, as well. And mm. the, we've seen the, the Pfizer documents finally uh, unsealed. There's mm. talk now because, well, not even the flu jab uh, prevents the, the flu. It just uh, prevents severe disease, which is what these vaccines uh, do. Like they're especially beneficial in, in old people, but mm. forcing injecting an 18 year old uh, who, like, that's. Uh, that's where the people were denied their own risk risk benefit uh, judgment. Mm. Now there's talk of like second generation vaccines, which they hope can, it can be what they call sterilizing vaccines, which actually uh, prevent transmission. Remember, these vaccines were sold yeah. as uh, preventing <laughs> transmission. So that's what they, that's they all initially said. Yep. Yeah, so these second-generation vaccines, it's, uh, that's what they're calling them. I guess it's going to be like uh, you know, video game consoles now, you know, there's second-generation uh, PlayStations and yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> it's going to be like this with COVID vaccines. Yeah, yeah, they're just like, they're just going to keep, I guess, yeah, pumping it, pumping them out and, um, you know, whether how many they mandate, who knows, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, like an interesting point, what you said about the other, you know, the benefits or the cost or the risk benefit. Um, I mean, I've, I've told people as well, like obviously COVID, if you look at the data, even from the very beginning, pretty much people with multiple comorbidities over the age of maybe 70 or something, um, you know, there's a heightened risk from COVID more so than standard influenza. So maybe there, there is an argument to be made that the vaccine could be more beneficial, obviously and the, you know, beneficial for them outweighing uh, the potential risks of the vaccine compared to just getting COVID. Um, but yeah, under in my view, under 50, um, that is when it becomes very questionable because the data shows that COVID's far less problematic um, for people like under 50, um, you know, compared to influenza and pneumonia, especially like teenagers. Um, they shouldn't be having this. Um, but again, it just fundamentally comes down to personal choice um if you want it if you believe it's in your best interest go for it i mean i'm not not here to tell people what they shouldn't shouldn't do um and for me i just knew like i eat well i keep in shape um i'm like well you know i trust my i trust my own body and um that's just yeah i'm not gonna 
just don't see a need for. I haven't got, I haven't got a flu shot either. I had the flu probably 10 years ago. That was definitely no, worse than it. COVID was. Yeah. 2019, it was uh, horrendous. But I've still never had the, the the flu jab. I have no intention of getting the, uh, the COVID uh, booster because, yeah. well, um, I probably had COVID, so I've got that. Yeah. Uh, it's better natural. immunity as well, yeah. Yeah, and I suspect that's why, also why Victoria's ICU numbers and ventilation are so low because, <laughs> you know, like, obviously uh, – the Victorian government, uh, the, well, their aim was COVID zero, but it's had the worst outcomes on on everything. So, yeah. <laughs> a, a what is it? Natural immunity is a is a byproduct of that. But we've also seen yeah. uh, first Clive Palmer, who's unvaccinated, old yep. fat guy, uh, old uh, with just uh, antivirals, including hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Yeah. George Christensen, who's a bit younger, 43, but still that guy. Uh, he he's not very in shape either. <laughs> he was able to get better uh, just with ivermectin, and I and I noticed that the the haters on social media, like they they got the usual thing, like ha ha, like hope you die. But like when they recover, it's like that's not supposed to happen. They yeah. they're both. Uh, fat, unvaccinated people. They were meant to die and they shouldn't have been saved by horse paste. Yeah, and this whole thing has stemmed from the the politicisation of the health response. Um, instead of just being, you know, the government providing advice and being open about what could treat COVID, um, a lot of studies that do support ivermectin, um, hydroxychloroquine, but the politicians in the media made it very political. And it's like, we've got one side versus the other. Um, you've got, you know, this, the lockdowns and vaccine side versus like the, you know, the supposedly anti-vax, anti-lockdown, pro-horse paste um, ingesters. And one side was demonized and the whole thing's become political and like everything else that's political um people love to berate and ridicule the other side because it makes them feel good i guess it might be human nature picking sides um but it maybe also stems from the fact that people just can't respect other people's decisions like or it's a proper maybe a, a victim of a circumstance of a propaganda campaign but um Politics does this. Oh, it's a divisive it's, thing. It's also because uh, there uh, the, the, has uh, increasingly developed this uh, totalitarian uh, streak in the, the far left. And so uh, that PR guy account was telling <laughs> telling people to uh, uh, report traitors to Crime Stoppers who are thinking of supporting anti-lockdown protesters. Yep. Like a, and the account still maintained that anyone who d disagreed with uh, Dan and Brett's strategy or undermine it were uh, traitors, and yeah. uh, we we are still seeing uh, some people in Australia cheer on what's happening uh, in Shanghai in China because uh, uh, China is uh, Omicron destroys any COVID zero strategy, and so. They are repeatedly testing 26 million of the, the Shanghai residents, locking them in their uh, apartments if there's a positive case, killing their pets, separating children uh, from uh, their parents if they test positive, sending them to those quarantine 
facilities, which well, their quarantine camps, uh, they 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 make ours look like a five star resort. Uh, but there's people in the the comments. Probably the worst uh, sensationalized uh, social media COVID account is being no newsroom, and they always report like China has this amount of cases, by far the biggest on record. And there's people in the reply who say, "Wow, it looks like China really cares about their their people." Yeah, and it's like forcefully locking people, like uh, repeatedly locking them in their home like so they can't get food uh can't get their medicines uh separating people uh that's that, that that's okay with you that's apparently shows a government uh cares yeah i mean we came close to like we had a level four lockdown here that's more like a level five there yeah well this is the interesting thing actually um so China um, obviously was the first um, place to enact lockdowns in the Hubei province. Um, They never imposed nationwide lockdowns um, and they supposedly eliminated the virus, got it under control through just locking down a a particular region, which was the rest of the world. Yeah, and then, 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 yeah, well, then, then, yeah, and then this lockdown model was then adopted and promoted by the World World Health Organization, which, um, you know, Italy then um, was the first uh, Western nation to lockdown, which had advisors um, from from the Chinese Communist Party advising them on their COVID response too. Um, so, so I followed the work of like a Michael P. Singer early on um, with all of this in the view seems to be um that china enacted these initial lockdowns as a propaganda tool to get the west to basically destroy their own economies which i think is very interesting um because they're they're trying they're trying to say that eliminated the virus a population like china very population dense no nationwide lockdowns they supposedly eliminated it through this lockdown export that um policy via the world health organization um, but then now they're doing a lockdown of Shanghai again. So I'm trying to wonder, like, there's lockdowns happening. I've seen people post about it. Um, it was a good, or it, I wouldn't say good. It was a Twitter thread of a guy in his family couldn't get food for about 10 or 12 days and uh, just managed to survive and, and it was a very difficult time. Um, so they're going on this lockdown, um, rampage again in Shanghai trying to supposedly eliminate the virus, but I'm not convinced they ever eliminated it. So my question is why are they doing this lockdown in Shanghai only? Is there something else that Xi Jinping is whipping up? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm they have got an open uh, COVID zero policy, and apparently that's going to continue until 2023 uh, when mm. Xi Jinping uh, wants uh, another term. But uh, the reason why these localized lockdowns are so cruel and inhumane is because uh, the, uh, the the officials that were running uh, uh, Wuhan, Hubei, uh, they got executed. And so uh, I don't think that the, the people that run Shanghai want that happen mm-hmm. to them. But I know that's a suspicion yeah, yeah. that, uh, like, there could be some variant, but I think that's uh, trying to make excuses to for, for China, like that. Oh, the reason they can't get back to zero is because there's some new 
variant or, or something because they can always uh, get down to zero because they're so good. Uh, again, this mm. warped, twisted thinking. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ed Hyman says the, the latest uh, strains are brought to us by Ford, BA1, BA2, and uh, XE. So uh, BA, BA1 was the original Omicron and, and BA2 was the, the son of Omicron and there's all these <laughs> yeah there's all these X variants which is this is the table that's put up by I'm not sure if you've heard of Tom Peacock who's a biologist at the Imperial College of London he's sort of the, the main guy oh you got old Imperial College Neil Ferguson yeah, yeah he, he's basically the one that sort of calls if a variant's going to be yeah. a thing or, or not so these are all the the recombinants that are going around so apparently XD is the the, the most uh, concerning one in in his opinion. I'm not sure if it's on that on that graph there, um, but yeah, they're they're talking mainly about uh, XE, which is what is it? It's a BA1 and BA2. So what is it? It's a what is it? Uh, recombinant of Omicron and the son of Omicron. Does that mean it's an incestuous mutation? <laughs> but yes, um, I know that. <laughs> The, the media and the, the COVID forever people, they're desperate for, for some new variant. I mean, there's a Delta Cron story nearly every week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they love to cling to it. They, um, it's, I guess it's similar to the climate change, um, the hardcore climate change advocates where um, they feel like there's this impending doom uh, and they can... Um, somehow contribute their part to solving that problem or, or preventing the impending doom, um, whether it's wearing a face mask or riding a bicycle in the other camp. And um, they get a sense of, um, I guess, yeah, a sense of doing something good out of it. And, um, but at the same time though, at the same time, the people who don't agree with them and don't do what they want, they, they're quite nasty towards. <laughs> the, the mainstream media, they're obviously, uh, uh, pleased that uh, the, the the pandemic has helped uh, increase their their ratings and, and clicks because they were on their their last legs, and so they, they love want it, yeah. another uh, crisis. I mean, they uh, they 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 covered uh, extensively those Japanese encephalitis uh, deaths. We haven't heard of a of a death recently, which yeah, it's kind of, I think it's going to be quiet. Like I don't. Well, that's because the wet wet. Lel Nina is over, but uh, again, it's because where the the precedent's been set that uh, oh, if there's a, a, a new virus in town, you need ridiculous public health measures. So I was sort of like, oh, are we going to be forced to wear uh, bee uh, keeper outfits when, <laughs> when we go out? Uh, like that's that's what you sort of uh, fear. But like, it's a virus that's been around for like five hundred years, but. Thing was, it never been found this far south, and so it was blamed on climate change. Of course, yeah. Mm. But yes, that's that's past as well. Now, obviously, uh, we have the the federal election will be called by uh, Scott Morrison any day now for a Saturday in May, and yep. uh, then we've got uh, the state election in November. Uh, there are pro-freedom options at mm -hmm. the federal level. Uh, there's United Australia, Liberal Democrats, uh, One Nation, and the the Great Australian Party. Uh, what? Uh, 
and the independent um, Senate candidate Morgan C. Jonas. <laughs> got, got to show I, that guy. <laughs> I am also independent Senate candidate Damian Richardson of uh, Cafe oh, Lockdown yes. as well. Yes, yes, he, he's running as well. Though they're only running in Victoria. Um, so uh, we obviously people in other states, there may be independents running there. But mm. as far as I know, the, the, the pro-freedom minor parties should be running in every state and, and territory. Mm. What do you, I, I know the, the polls are pointing to a federal Labor win and a state yep. Labor win. Um, what do you think is going to happen? I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to think who will win. But what do you think yep. uh, will happen after the federal election, after the state election? Good question. So I think federal. I think federal election. Um, it's probably hard to say whether Scomo or Albo will win. I think it's a good possibility of. Um, if the United Australia Party gets some seats, then there might be possibly a hung parliament, but getting seats is very difficult. So I personally think the best bet is voting for people like the Liberal Democrats in the Senate. Um, so if the Freedom Party, such as the Liberal Democrats, can have um, uh, a balance of power in the Senate, or with potentially other Freedom Parties, uh, they can stifle bad legislation. Because if the government wants to pass something, um, they'll be like, no, we won't. You, know, you you shall not pass, and will stop them from doing bad things. I think that these, are, I think, getting balance of power in the Senate um, is probably the best. Realistically, we could achieve um, in this time frame, um, which it, it may not be enough to get the government to move in the right direction and pass good legislation, but at least it might stop things from potentially getting worse, um, or potentially they might be able to do deals with other. You know, potentially the you know, Liberal Party um, to get some maybe freedom, a bit more freedom. And obviously, um, the same should be said for the Victorian uh, state election because Dan was able to get his uh, pandemic extensions mm. thanks to the, the three uh, stooges. Um, yeah, but hopefully they, they get voted out, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and with the, the, uh, the pandemic uh, management bill with Adam Somnirek putting a uh, spanner in the works. I know mm. that uh, Rod Barton is now on that, uh, what is it, uh, poster of uh, traitors. <laughs> but he actually got rid of the aggravated, uh, a- a- aggravated pandemic offence from the final bill, which would have seen people imprisoned if they committed an a- aggravated public health offence. So that was actually something, mm. a like really good improvement on the bill. And the three students, they did get the fines halved as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with like, uh, uh, so these four combined, they did make it a less uh, crappy bill. Mm. I mean, I mean, I guess a small amount of credit, a very minuscule amount of credit. They could have not voted for it in the first place. I, 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 um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, moving forward, like an interesting thing as well is because the last several ele- several elections, um, the major parties have been getting less of a share of the votes. Mm. And there was recent polling that came out that confirmed that, again, their overall share is declining. 
Um, obviously, it's very difficult to get a premier or prime minister that's not liberal or Labour. It's very, very difficult at this stage. Um, this because the stranglehold and the, just the general popularity they have amongst the average person. Most people still think liberal or Labour. But things for those last several elections have been moving in a better direction, um, which I think will be accelerated at these elections. Uh, so I can just hope that the, the, you know, the freedom parties get a good chunk of the Senate um, or what it's called the, I think, upper house in Victoria, in the, in the state, um, council. legislative council. Yeah. That's the one. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the federal elections obviously coming up first, that will be very interesting. Um, obviously the results in the South Australia election weren't fantastic. Um, I didn't see the actual percentage of share of votes they got, but I mean, South Australia hasn't gone through as much of a tyranny as Victoria. So, um, yeah. And, um, the, 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 the labor leader that is now premier Peter Melanaskis, he is actually so far proving himself to be, uh, better, uh, than the liberal Stephen Marshmallow as he, as he was known. <laughs> I mean, he made to make sure that uh, Nicola Spiria and Grant Stevens, uh, the uh, public health officer and police commissioner, respectively, uh, were uh, their power was removed, and that it was going to be made by the, the government. And uh, he has got the isolation protocols into line with the rest of the states and he said should be getting rid of the masks uh next thursday so hopefully he'll follow his word by that but he's from the the labor right he's actually yeah. quite conservative while in victoria dan andrews from the the hard socialist lev left yeah, the uh, socialist faction yeah, and obviously uh, is quite a fan of the the CCP uh, as well, which Love is why we followed the the their lockdown playbook uh, to a T. Uh, Albo, his team obviously has a lot of uh, CCP apologists in it, like uh, Penny Wong and Christina yeah. Keneally. I'm not sure if you saw this, but there's a secret plan to save him from COVID, not because he'll get sick, but because he'll have to isolate for seven days. And so uh, this uh, uh, this was uh, Labor has strict protocols for journalists who will join them on the trial to get on board the elbow bus. You have to be triple vaccinated, wear an N95 in most settings, <laughs> take a rapid antigen test every three days. Anyone who tests positive is off, off the bus. The rules for Morrison bus are less strict. Essentially, it's follow the rules of the state and territory that you're in because uh, Morrison obviously already had COVID. Maybe Elbow should have just deliberately infected himself maybe earlier this year so he get that natural campaign. It's, it's paranoid hypochondria. I mean, they get their vaccines, they're still wearing their masks, get tested all the time. Just yeah. stop testing yourselves and then it'll pretty much go away, you know. Yeah. And the N95s, they, they're, they're described as like the, the beak mask or the sandwich wrapper yeah, mask. Yeah, ridiculous. They look ridiculous. You see people wearing them because um, yeah, people are still wearing them at the shops. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's... Yeah. And they're still, yeah, they're, they're still the, the mask perverts uh, outside wearing them alone outdoors and uh, in alone in a car. Yeah. Well, it's where I walk, um, where I live is a... When I walk my dog and um, 
I remember during the lockdowns walking the dog, I didn't have my office, I didn't wear a mask. Um, and she would wear a mask. And if she saw me, she would like dart across the road, uh, you know, because she's like, oh, I've got to avoid, avoid COVID. I still see her now wearing a mask. And I just walked past her house. I didn't know, know where she lived, but I walked past with my dog. And she's just leaving a driveway with her dog. And she quickly stops. She's like, oh, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to keep walking. <laughs> Uh, some people are just very, very like living in fear. And they, and they still believe that like the mask is the only thing that's uh, keeping them alive. But the most yeah. ridiculous uh, a mask wearing that I saw was a, a cyclist who was wearing a, not only wearing a mask while cycling, uh, but also wearing the magpie spike helmet, even though it wasn't magpie nesting season and where I live, uh, the magpies are, are friendly because they're always around people. So you might have just seen like a magpie around previously and decided to wear the spike helmet as well. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just fascinating observing behavior and um there's been plenty of it to observe recently. <laughs> yes, breathing. breathing. <laughs> yes, there's. Uh, I, I've seen the, the 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 double masks as as well. I haven't seen a triple mask. I haven't seen a triple one. Got to stop that breathing. Yeah, and it's like, look, if, if if people want to wear their masks, look, you know, they can wear their masks. And like I've said all along, if people want to wear a hazmat suit down the street, they can. But I'll laugh. I'll, at still, you, I'll still laugh at them. Yeah, There's actually been, been, to laugh. Uh, been a few that have worn gas masks to the supermarket because Amazing. it's so much more dangerous because uh, a lot of people stop wearing masks. So wearing gas yeah. masks now, I mean. Yeah. Like I, I snicker to myself when I see the the double mask, but I think if I saw the gas mask, I wouldn't control my <laughs> laughter. Like you're free to wear it, but I'll still mock you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh, very, very funny. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, like if, if people tried to explain a couple, like a couple of years ago, what was going to happen, you'd be like, nah. Mm. Uh. Well, it's been fantastic to to chat with you tonight, Anthony. It's actually the first time that we've had a, an in depth uh, discussion because the the rallies are always so busy. You're uh, emceeing, and yeah, that's probably yeah. why we've been uh, chatting for for so long. But uh, yeah, it's I think we've well, we've we've covered uh, the the current state of things, and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens we never know what's going to happen and we never say never uh but exactly. uh i'll plug the uh the next uh it's not a a rally it's a freedom party which they're just as uh enjoyable uh these uh, social events mm. uh so i'll allow you to uh promote it yeah um it's just a event for um like-minded freedom people who um have been protesting or want to make new friends if you haven't met people yet. Um, Harrison loves going to these things. You'd have seen Harrison at the rallies. What he loves to do. Um, I went to a lot of these during lockdown, especially um, Yeah, great place to meet people and mingle uh, with yeah, fellow like-minded individuals. 
and uh worldwide freedom uh rally eight may 21st that actually could be the the federal election day it's probably either going to be may 14th or or 21st but yeah, we'll, we'll know we'll know we'll know soon enough but um yeah i mean it'll still it's as as the melbourne freedom rally channel says uh, march will never be be uh cancelled so if it's on election day i mean it's the perfect day to be vigilant yeah, exactly. And I think these worldwide rallies, like every two months, it's just a good show of, um, you know, global support um, because it all came out of the COVID lockdowns um, and this, the, you know, the the building freedom movement globally. So I think it's good to keep these worldwide ones up for two months because even after this COVID tyranny um, comes to an end, governments are going to keep doing what they normally do, passing more laws passing more regulations, um, centralizing, uh, you know, control and surveillance over our lives. And, um, but man, there's no, there's really no easy solution to solve these, you know, to push back against these politicians. Like is, is it political? Is it through mass non-compliance? Um, but well, some the, shift has to change. The saying is the the price of liberty is eternal vigilance and there hasn't mm. been enough uh vigilance uh mm. and i know that uh, the the last one i went to uh attendance uh has uh has dropped and that's because yeah. things are a bit more no normal i know that mm. cam wilson crikey recently wrote a really bitchy article called australia's oh, anti-vaccine movement is collapsing and made, or i called it a bitchy article because made some really uh like uh bitchy comments about monica schmidt's appearance yeah. in a recent video yeah and that but, guy sees photos he's a bit of a soy boy that guy you know <laughs> but uh so, the recent the the freedom movement will go away if there's freedom i mean it only yeah. exists to advocate for freedom i mean yeah if there's freedom then of course it's there's going to be less people yeah exactly and the and the the thing is um you know, it's, it's difficult to maintain regular massive, you know, events or massive attendance because, you know, we've, the way I've seen it, we've already, especially over that November period, you know, going into December, we demonstrated um, the social proof that people are on our side. We've put on the biggest political rallies in the history of the country. Um, if the politicians don't listen, that's on them, but we can't, you know, I guess, you know, let our guards down because yeah, sure. The COVID narrative will eventually end one day. Hopefully the mandates go, um, you know, this will be a thing of the past one day, but the last several decades, the government's been increasing in size, increasing in power, over-regulating, over-taxing, um, you know, doing terrible things. Now they're printing money into an oblivion, uh, causing prices to rise. People are just generally becoming poorer because of this, um, the flooding the economies with fiat currency, not just in Australia, but pretty much worldwide. Um, and yeah, it could, be some, it could be some difficult times ahead and we need to just, yeah, we, like I said, be vigilant and, um, yeah, and also make sure yeah, keep them on notice. Yeah, never. And also say never forget never again, because the, mm. the real, history of the horrors that have happened the, the past two years uh they uh they need to be 
remembered. So the yes. next generation, you know, like, you hope that in 20, 30 years, they read back and say, how could this have happened? I, there's another famous cartoon where a person in a mask and a face shield is reading the history of uh, World, uh, World War II and says, but how could they just all comply? And obviously yeah. the irony being that history repeats itself. And so... Mm. Like what has happened in the past, uh, the the horror of this uh, period needs to be remembered. And it's we live in an age where there's smartphones and everything, so it can be repeated for uh, for, for the next generation to show just how horrid this time was. Exactly. And like, if you look at all of human history, um, it's always been a battle between basically freedom and like tyranny or authoritarianism. Like we're, most of human history has been under some kind of level of oppression, whether it's just you know, kings or you know, the, the um, governments. Um, and it's it always, it's always going to be a battle for as long as humans are around. It's never going to get to a point where you're like, yeah, we're going to be free like this for the the rest of humanity um it's always a it's always a a cycle and it's always a a constant battle um and are we entering a period where we're going to be much less free for a while than what we were hopefully not um but i mean ever since something like say september 11 2001 the government's gone into overdrive taking away liberties um and now now we're heading into this year biofascist surveillance state um and yeah i I think we are beginning to to win now i mean as i Mm. mentioned the the australian public is is much wiser now and the the covid uh extremist cultists are Mm. losing uh credibility and well they're also just being uh mocked like uh i also know that a lot of uh, comments underneath the uh, the Shanghai lockdown saying, "Oh, look how COVID zero is going with the uh, with, with the what is it? The the emoji when they're they're pulling the stupid face." So <laughs> definitely the and uh, the the comments are, are much more disparaging when it comes to uh, severe restrictions now. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so hopefully lessons learned going into the future. And I, I am generally like an optimist and I, I do believe people, even in the face of say, increasing government restrictions, are uh, innovative uh, to f- basically force the government's hand in particular directions. Obviously we're seeing, you know, the topic I like to talk about, you know, central, central banking and fiat currency and the printing of, but with, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, Bitcoin in particular, um, it's a new industry uh, and a new technology that's being spawned from that were created by you know free individuals and a, you know um, people basically pushing back against this central banking system, and um, it's a lot of governments now are being forced to. Uh, be pass I guess friendly regulation towards crypto. They're not trying to ban it. They're trying to keep it around. Central banks are going to start um, loading up on Bitcoin and potentially other coins. El Salvador's made it legal tender. Um, so it's basically you know individuals still through innovation can force the hand of government to favor um, things in the direction of liberty and uh, you know individual autonomy which you know crypto could be just one thing and I'm, I'm curious as what 
people will create next that will force the hand of government to favor liberty because they know they can't defeat it. Um, that's another aspect. So the solutions aren't always solely political. It can be, yeah, just through innovation of free people creating cool things that improve our lives. We could do a whole other show on uh, the destruction that uh, central banking does and how we should have stuck with uh, the gold standard and uh, uh, cryptocurrencies are a new way to uh, guard your your wealth. Uh, But we'll we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much uh, for joining me and I'll hopefully see you at uh, Worldwide Freedom Rally 8 or sooner. Definitely will, man. Thanks for having me. All the best. All right, everybody. That's uh, the Wilmsfront show uh, for this Thursday evening. Uh, now, there is going to be another Wilmsfront on Monday evening. I've got uh, joining me uh, Professor Augusto uh, Zimmerman, who has uh, just uh, published a, a book called uh, Deconstructing ScoMo, which it's basically a whole book about, uh, to summarize it, uh, elaborating on uh, Conchetta Fioravanti Wells's uh, speech on ScoMo and the Senate calling him a fake Christian and a fake conservative. So I look very much forward to going in deep uh, with Augusto with that uh, because he is not a a shield for any side of politics. He's a principled Christian and conservative. So again, there'll be no uh, Tim's News Explosion Monday, but I'll still uh, bring uh, bring you up to date with the latest news and hopefully by uh, Monday the election will be called. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, Trad Tasman talk uh, with Duet de Boer uh, back at the normal time, 6pm Melbourne time on the Unshackled uh, YouTube channel. Uh, New Zealand is now at their, what is it, orange uh, alert level now and they've got rid of the, the vaccine mandates and uh, their Director General of Public Health, Ashley Bloomfield, is uh, resigning as well. So a lot uh, to catch up with uh, uh, Due on. And uh, obviously uh, there'll be a lot more in Australia uh, to cover tomorrow night as well. Uh, So I'll see you then on Friday for Trad Tasman Talk. Uh, Keep checking out uh, theunshackled.net for our Unshackled Productions archive and our articles. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com or Rational Rise TV to view the archive of episodes. And keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows. And to keep up with the latest real news and analysis.